0: hello everyone and welcome to the second installment of the man-to-man sports coverage podcast i'm your host suraj Zaveri, and we have some other guys here today introduce yourselves
1: hello everyone uh my name is kevin kim my name is jacob zanka
2: what's up i'm josh warden yeah
0: and so today we're gonna be talking about how the nfl draft is going on still right you know most sports have been canceled, but we can still focus on what is going on. And I kind of just wanted to address the first pick in the draft, right? Joe Burrow to the Bengals. What do you guys think of this? How does Joe Burrow fit into the Bengals organization? And can he make them a contender?
3: A contender, sure, but I don't see them going worst to first. Joe Burrow is a great quarterback, and I think he'll be an incredible addition to the Bengals lineup, especially when you have people like A.J. Green. Uh, who can be used as tools by Burrow. But until their offensive line is strengthened and until all around the team improves, I don't think you're going to see much more than 7-9. and nine.
1: Uh, I agree with Jacob here. If we look at the Bengals' free agency, I've got to give them kudos because in the past years, They've been very conservative in free agency. They weren't willing to pay big bucks for big players. But this year, we've uh, we've seen them willing to pay big bucks for players. Uh, we saw them go out and grab Von Bell. Um, they refused to let A.J. Green go because um, Joe Burrow wanted him. But if you look at the AFC North, the Steelers, Big Ben's going to be back. Um, their team's going to be healthier. The Ravens are as good as ever. And the Browns, I think um, they're on a turnaround here uh, with a new coach, a more experienced coach. Um, I think it's just a tough division, and um, I can see Joe Burrow take them to seven wins, maybe eight wins, um, out of the mediocrity uh, from last year. But I'm, I'm still, I don't still, I still have zero confidence in their head coach Zach Taylor. Um, you know, he just was from, uh, the Rams offense, and then they suddenly just make him head coach. I think that was just a big craze over Sean McVay's, um, protégés. Um, so I have, I don't I have zero confidence in their coaching staff. Uh, But I am happy that the Bengals were willing to get some supporting figures for Joe Burrow.
2: Yeah, I agree with Kevin in the fact that the coaching is not up to the NFL standards or what it should be. They've had a decent free agency. I mean, Von Bell is pretty good. And they tendered, they franchise tagged A.J. Greenback, but he has not played, he's played one game in his last 15 games, like in the last 15. So I just have zero confidence in A.J. Green to be healthy for a majority of the season. Hopefully he does, but I don't see it. I don't see a first-year quarterback leading a team as weak as the Bengals to anywhere past probably 6-10, and 10, especially with the hard division they're in, having to play those teams twice a year.
3: I mean, a lot of this burden falls on Joe Burrow as this new guy coming in with the hopes of the entire team and the entire city on his back. What is he going to look like in the locker room? How is he going to motivate the people around him? Because that's going to be a huge factor in whether or not the Bengals can actually perform. If you have a leader under center who people are willing to respond to, I think that's what differentiates, say, the Chiefs from the Browns. Um, if, if Joe Burrow can't handle that, and I would worry about his capability to do so uh, just as a first-year, if he can't handle that, then all of these hopes are going to be totally busted, no matter how strong the team as a group of individuals is. They can't act as a unit under a leader. It's, it's all going to fall apart, and we've seen that happen on multiple occasions with other teams.
1: Yeah, and, I, and Jacob, especially like if you look at the Bengals in recent years, their, to- lo- their locker room was very toxic. Um, we saw them just blow away a playoff victory because of Vontaze, Burfix, and, and Pac-Man Jones' antics. Um, and really, uh, Marvin Lewis for so many years just couldn't uh, keep that locker room together. Um, but I am seeing confidence because they, got, they brought in guys like Trey Waynes and Mackenzie Alexander to shore up their defense. Um, but still, the offensive line is a huge question. They did uh, pick up some free agents uh, to shore up the interior of the line, but still the uh, exterior of the line is weak. Um, and outside of A.J. Green, maybe a John Ross, um, a mix in the backfield, like, where are the offensive weapons? Where is the consistency?
0: Yeah, obviously there's um, there's very much that has to go right for this to be a successful team in one year. Um, but I think Joe Burrow has definitely a bright future. I think something you mentioned about leadership, Jacob, I think Joe Burrow is very strong in that. So he definitely can rally the team to at least be more respectable than they were before. So with that said, you know, Joe Burrow, is, he's, he's kind of a, a quarterback that everybody is expecting to go number one. We know he's the most talented, clear-cut quarterback in the draft but I wanted to talk about some of the other quarterbacks in this draft and um, possibly where you might see them landing. Um, What do you guys think about Tua, um, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love? What what teams do you see them going to, and how do you think they will fare?
1: Yeah, so first we just need to look at which teams in the uh, draft are quarterback needy, and just going down the draft order, Um, the first team that I see that needs a quarterback is Miami Dolphins and since last year um, we've heard about them tanking for Tua and I genuinely think that they're going to pick Tua at pick number five if he's available I know there's a lot of talk about uh, a possible Justin Herbert move um, but I think Tua is a better quarterback uh, he's more mobile um, he's got a great a game awareness um, and people say that Tua is just great because he's came from the Alabama system But um, and it is true because we have seen a lot of Alabama quarterbacks in the past just not fare well in the NFL but I think Tua is a different breed of athlete and I think he's going to go to the Miami Dolphins for sure
3: as yeah, well, much as I love watching Ryan Fitzpatrick I would say Miami would be stupid to not pick Tua up at this point uh, hopefully we get another good year out of Fitz, but otherwise i think it's time for them to move on
2: yeah i agree Tua is definitely going to miami It's one could make the case that Tua uh not better than joe burrow but more consistent than joe burrow because you know joe, joe burrow didn't have a great last year like year before last he was very average but Tua has been pretty consistent when he's healthy
3: yeah i mean before Tua got hurt and before LSU popped off last year, all the experts had Tua going way before any of the other quarterbacks.
2: Oh absolutely. Yeah. I, I think Tua is the best pure talent quarterback in this draft. I
0: guess people the only knock against Tua is his consistency and health. And with like um like with this pandemic going on, you can't really work him out like you would want to. So I think that's why some people like uh Daniel Jeremiah in his latest mock draft, 3.0, he has Justin Herbert going to the Dolphins and Tua going to the Chargers. Um, yeah, you can't you can't be sure, I guess, about whether Tua will be healthy or not, but that's the only concern. We know how, how talented he is. Um, so what do you think about, I guess, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love?
1: Well, I think there's a very strong chance that uh, Justin Herbert's going to go to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. They moved on from Phillip Rivers, and uh, they're saying that they're going to go ahead with Tyrod Taylor, but, well, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor, but uh, Tyrod Taylor is just a bridge quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. Um, And I think the Chargers are smart moving on from Phillip Rivers because they do need to transition into a younger offense. And uh, Tyrod Taylor is a perfect type of quarterback for that transition to happen. The Chargers aren't going to be great next year. That's just fact. But they're trying to set up, so that a um, a younger quarterback can learn the system over a year period and then shine in a second year, third year going forward. So I think Justin Herbert is definitely a better quarterback than Jordan Love. He's played against harder defenses. He's played um, against stronger D1 teams because, you know, Oregon and Utah State, they have different level of competition. I see Herbert's going to go to number six.
2: I think both Herbert and Jordan Love, like, Not to knock them, but I think they're very overrated in terms of draft, you know? Neither one of them are great. I don't think either one of them are top 10 worthy picks. However, I do see the Chargers drafting um, Justin Herbert in result so that Tyrod Taylor, who is also getting up there in age and has never been able to lead a team, I can see uh, Justin Herbert. Definitely going to the Chargers and eventually being their hopeful starter. But I do not see him leading them to the playoffs because I do not think he is that good.
0: Yeah. So, Jacob, do you have anything to add? Or I guess we've talked enough about quarterbacks.
2: I
3: mean, the only other team I could see is particularly quarterback needy would potentially be Jacksonville after we see how Gardner Minshew pans out, you know, with a whole year under center. But I would say them pulling the trigger on a quarterback during this draft would be too hasty to say the very least yeah and for just sure. to
1: add a point to the chargers you know they added people like Tri turner um and they've been shoring up their offense um and they let melvin gordon go because they're not going to overpay for a running back when they have another great one in eckler um so i think the chargers have been setting this up and if you look at their free agency moves it seems like they're setting up to get a quarterback but josh does have a point i mean they don't need to necessarily get a quarterback but they probably will um But definitely the Chargers won't make the playoffs next year. Even with 17 playoffs, uh, the AFC is getting more competitive. Even with Tom Brady out, I mean, I wouldn't even count the Patriots out.
0: Yeah, so how about the fact that this entire draft is going to be taking place not as a public event? Um, I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. We're going to be going possibly going into these players' homes and Zoom calling them to see how they react to their pick being picked. So it's definitely going to be an interesting experience. I wanted to, I guess, talk more about some of the non quarterbacks, how I guess some teams are making additions and becoming even more of a contender. Um, I guess some teams to note, are like at the back end of the draft, the 49ers, the saints, um, also the Patriots. What do you guys think about what the Patriots should do? With their pick,
3: I think at this point the Patriots have two potential quarterbacks in Brian Hoyer, a uh, Brian Hoyer, and um and Jared Stidham. I don't think it would be wise to bite on a quarterback, especially as late as they are in the first round. At this point, it really is just going to be shoring up the rest of their offense. Belichick's defense has been running on a tight ship for the longest time. I don't think that needs any work. As far as what the Patriots can do right now, I think it's just about posturing the rest of their team so that whichever quarterback ends up really. Filling Tom Brady's shoes can do so with as many weapons around him as possible.
1: I agree. I think the Patriots need to get some playmakers on offense, specifically at the wide receiver and tight end positions. Um, you know, without Gronk, without and with only Edelman as the consistent receiver, we saw Tom Brady decline. And that might have a play because of Tom Brady's age, but still, the Patriots' offense was lacking last year lacking that explosiveness, lacking that playmaking ability. Their defense was ranked first last year. And yes, they may have some needs of defensive side of the field, but I think they need to focus on offense. I believe the Patriots have a lot of faith in Jared Stidham. I think they think that he's the future. So if you want him to be the future, you got to give him more weapons than Julian Edelman.
2: Yeah, I agree with Kevin in the fact that they're definitely going to draft offensive. I mean, they do not need to necessarily draft a quarterback, and I don't think they will this early just because it's not the Patriot way you know they've never been one to draft big names early in like because Tom Brady you know but they have a they have a good wide receiver Nikhil Harry they got Julian Edelman I think I believe that they could probably draft T Higgins at their spot who is a great wide receiver out of uh, Clemson and I think he could really develop, but they have a decent O-line. Their defense, like I, like uh, Jacob Zanka said, is very talented, very good. So I just see them drafting a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, how about uh, Justin Jefferson? I think he's also in that range of possibilities.
2: No, I disagree. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are drafting Justin Jefferson 100%. They love that man. And he... He is the most underrated wide receiver in this draft. Even though he still has high draft stock, he's—I think—he's on par with CD Lamb and Jerry Judy type of talent.
1: Well, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter because this is a wide receiver deep class. So, um, and also Patriots, I think they have a thing for getting some under the radar guys. Um, so you know, if they don't get Justin Jefferson. I don't think it's a huge loss because there's a lot of wide receiver wide receivers that are good in this class. Um, but I still think they might look at tight end. A tight end is a huge position of need. Maybe there's not one name that pops off for to be considered a first-round pick, um, but I do think they're going to address a tight end position in the draft.
0: Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Um... Yeah,
2: um, I mean, I can't even tell you who the Patriots' starting tight end was last year. They have to either get a tight end free agency somehow or draft one to be contenders again without Tom Brady.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think New England is probably going to play the long game here. That's the thing. Especially, and, and I would put this as sort of a chip against the idea of them drafting a big name wide receiver or the like this year. It doesn't look like whoever is going to be filling Tom Brady's role, whoever's going to be under center, this year is going to be a huge performer. New England's job right now is Frankly, I think to set up the O line and to set up the people guarding that future quarterback in such a way that when he comes in to fill that role, everything is everything is set up fine. There, I would say, once you have a better better idea of like which prospective quarterback will be leading the Patriots for the next five, ten years, then you start drafting pieces like wide receivers around him. And build chemistry from there. I would say it's just too early to bite on a wide receiver because you don't know what kind of receiver uh, this future quarterback is going to need to play with. It's, I don't know, I would just say it's too hasty.
1: And even though I do agree with Jacob in that the Patriots are probably playing the long game, I still see them as a potential playoff team. Um They've got. They still have got a great defense, uh, uh, anchored by uh, Stefan Gilmore the back there. Um, and if you just look at Tom Brady's stats last year, it just wasn't stellar. Yes, he did, he did have four thousand passing yards, but he averaged like six yards per throw. Um, and he was just a checkdown quarterback. Jared Stidham is capable of doing that. If you run the game, uh, run the ball, uh, do some checkdown throws to Julian Edelman, get a good tight end who can block and also be a catcher. Um, I still see the Patriots. Uh, potentially winning their division or getting second place, because their division is still kind of weak. Dolphins are still in rebuild mode. Um, The Bills are very strong, and the Jets are absolute garbage.
0: Yeah, speaking of Tom Brady, um, did you guys see those new Bucks uniforms? I am not a fan of those.
3: Oh, dearie. Let's look (laughs) this up.
2: Oh, I like them Um, a lot. I I like the white ones. I like the gray ones. I didn't like the alarm clock
3: numbers.
1: Well, just an overall, like, I, I was never a fan of the Bucks uniforms, especially last year's. I thought it kind of looked ugly, like the the grayish combined with the red, the gray on the shoulders. Um, but I do really think that their white ones are super clean. Um, but, you know, uniform doesn't really matter that much.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I actually don't um, hate
3: these uniforms. The black outline isn't killing me, especially compared to last year. The numbers are a substantial
0: improvement.
2: I miss the, the orange ones. Those are dope. Oh, yeah, they're throwbacks. Those
0: are definitely. Um, okay, so I guess we've broken down like in detail the offensive side of the draft. Um, maybe if we can get on to some defensive players. We know Chase Young is pr- arguably, like, well, probably certainly the most uh, skilled defensive player in this draft. Um, what else is we got Jeff Okuda going to the— I'm looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft 3.0. Um, he has Jeff Okuda going to the Lions. He also has Patrick Queen going to the Saints. What do you guys think of some of these defensive um additions that teams might be picking up? Do you think any of these players will upgrade a certain defense that is in need of an upgrade?
2: I think that Ohio, I, I, Isaiah Simmons is not going ten. I think he's going to the Giants at five. He is just the most athletic, like football-born defensive player in this draft asides from Chase Young. And I just can't see that weak Giants defense passing on him. I think Chase Young's definitely going second to the Redskins. It'll be stupid if they do not draft him because he's definitely the most dependable player in this draft. But if the Saints do get Patrick Queen, that would be an awesome because he is very um vertically and horizontally fast. And he's just a playmaker who loves the game of football and is willing to do everything. And I believe that he could even be a leader in a couple of years if he goes to the Saints. But if the Saints do not draft him, I hope he draft another linebacker in the draft, Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. I think he is the, sa- the third, probably the third best linebacker in this draft besides Queen and Isaiah Simmons. And I think he's a playmaker that would really improve the Saints defense.
3: I would say with the Giants, the only issue I would have with them drafting a defensive player is just how important it is for them right now to be protecting Daniel Jones as he develops. It's a glaring inconsistency that we saw over last season. was just the O-line not holding up for Jones while he was trying to get acclimated to the game, while he was trying to get acclimated to different play styles and trying to read different defenses. It's hard to read the whole defense when you've got three or four guys in your face every play. Um, I would say the Giants top priority right now needs to be protecting him whether that's with uh, an offensive lineman or a tight end or something of the like making sure that he has the time and space necessary to get a feel for for playing the game uh, is huge
1: yeah I agree with Jacob Um, if you look at the Giants they've got the offensive weapons for Daniel Jones but can't do anything with them because there is no offensive line if you look at Saquon Barkley he had a huge down here. Um, I think one game he averaged like one yard per run. You can't do anything. like A star-studded uh, roster, even with an amazing running back, can't do anything if you don't have the offensive line. I think the Giants' priority is getting an offensive line of, in the NFL draft. Um, but uh, I do agree that the Saints are going to either get Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen. The Saints' defense is really, is really improved from the past years. I think the Saints' roster is the most complete in the NFL. Um, but one thing that we're missing is that interior linebacker presence. We had the Mario Davis um, on the weak side, but we need someone else to be on that interior. Uh, we have Craig Robertson, um, Alex Anzalone. We have pretty good depth, but there's no star player who can like, stretch the field and go from one side of the field to the other in a quick way. And I think um, Patrick Queen will be a great addition to the Saints defense and really make them probably the top favorite to be the uh, Super Bowl champions.
0: Yeah, there, there is no doubt given that Patrick Queen would certainly be um, a game-changer for the Saints' defense. Um, I think we've covered most of the first round of the draft, and that was our goal for this episode. Um, does any If you guys have anything else you want to add or um, how you guys have been dealing with your quarantine lives, anything new you've learned in the sports world. Um, I know people have been watching NFL players and NBA players work out. Um, you guys have anything that you've picked up?
3: Just an interesting question to throw out to the table. So Fitz has been through almost 10 teams now. Uh, Assuming that the Dolphins draft a quarterback, be it Tua or another one, Ryan Fitzpatrick probably doesn't have much longer there either. Do you see him retiring or continuing this sort of journeyman story? uh to all, to another team. And if so, what I team? I see him
1: continuing it. I see him I see him continuing it. Uh I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the most fun backup quarterbacks to watch in the NFL, and if you saw last season, he's had some of his Fitzmagic moments still. Um and I'm not sure what team would be willing to take him, but he is the perfect quarterback to be that bridge type bridge-type quarterback, um, he can fill in. He can get, get you wins, actually. Um, and I think it was just last year or two years ago when he was um, an NFL MVP contender in the first few weeks. Um, so I don't see him retiring anytime soon.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I just think that Fitzmagic loves the game of football too much to retire so soon, especially since he has performed pretty well over the past couple of years, being a backup or a starter. He did have that one year in Tampa Bay, where the first, like, eight weeks, he was just perfect. So I see him continuing at least for another one or two years.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's this at least one or two games every year where Fitzmagic just completely explodes, and we see him in post-game press conference with, like, uh, like his sunglasses and his beard, and he's acting all confident, like Fitzmagic is back. I think he still has that energy, and he can definitely have some success and somewhere, um, given the that there's not that many teams still looking for a quarterback, but um, definitely teams in need of strong backups, like Kevin said, bridge quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and um, I just wanted to add that uh, going back to the thing where you said the drafts probably be on Zoom or some virtual platform, um you know you've got to feel for these athletes because they've been training their entire lives um and just i'm sure that many of them have dreamed about just walking onto that stage shaking the commissioner's hand and smiling the cameras holding their jersey with the cap on but you know at the end of the day we just got to put everything in perspective um yeah the sports world is grieving because uh many of these things that we could have seen like March Madness, and the NFL Draft, and the the rest of the NBA season, (laughs) XFL, um, you know, those are all things that we miss, but there are people, you know, in the world dying, Uh, this is a true problem, there are many people, healthcare workers, um, putting their lives on the line to save other lives, so I I just encourage um, everyone to just put everything in perspective, and truly prioritize what's really important to us at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and it's all out of necessity, of course. I guess that sums up our podcast. Did you Wait a have minute. anything to add, Josh?
2: Yeah. Can we talk about how Aaron Rodgers made the All-Decade team over Drew Brees? Oh, boy. oh yes.
0: We, we're we a bunch of Saints fans. We got a lot to say about this. Um, Well, first of all, I think Drew Brees, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is very overrated when it comes to the all-time greats discussion with regards to him being compared to Drew Brees, I think people people get emotional about the about the flashy plays that Rodgers makes, but in reality he's not very he's not been as consistent as Brees over this past decade. Brees has broken countless records. He has led his team further in the playoffs. Rodgers was injured a couple years and I think it's just sad to see that people are more into the flashiness of Aaron Rodgers' arm than the accuracy that Drew Brees provides. You guys want to back that up? I mean, flashy
3: is a good way to describe him. I will say, you know, to the credit of of people who would prefer Rodgers, he does have another Super Bowl MVP, and he's had more winning seasons over the past 10 years. But I think that fails to take a lot of context into account. Uh, When you look at just consistent individual production and – that really is what matters most, and we're judging these two people against each other as individuals. Uh, Breeze outperforms Rodgers on pretty much every metric. That's why there's one name next to more quarterback records than the other by a substantial margin.
1: Yeah, and actually, you know, I've been looking up the stats of Drew Brees versus Aaron Rodgers to pass decade, because I was livid when they came out and said Aaron Rodgers is an all-decade quarterback over Drew Brees. First of all, the point about... Aaron Rodgers having more MVPs, Drew Brees has been robbed of the NFL season MVP multiple times throughout his career. You can't be the leading uh, passer in almost every single major metric that football stats has to offer and not be an MVP winner um, in a legitimate way. He has gotten that robbed from him so many times, and people say Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback in terms of winning. Well, over the past 10 years, Aaron Rodgers has had only one more win than Drew Brees. Whereas Drew Brees had a higher uh, completion percentage, more completions, um, more passing yards, more passing touchdowns. Like, it's crazy. And yes, Drew Brees may have more interceptions thrown. Yes, people can say Drew Brees plays in a dome while Aaron Rodgers plays outside. But Drew Brees can't control where he plays. You can't knock him because of the stadium he plays in. Drew Brees is a top three quarterback all time in NFL history. To put Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees, especially after Drew Brees' historic year after year after year, is absolutely ridiculous of the NFL.
0: Yeah, and just to clarify to our listeners, we are not a bunch of salty Saints fans. We have evidence. We've been watching Drew Brees, and we just feel that this is this is uh, disrespect to the man.
3: We're also mad salty, in case you couldn't tell. Yeah, and one and... extra thing.
1: Um, sorry Josh. just one extra thing. Um, people say that Aaron Rodgers is better because he throws deep balls Whereas Drew Brees is check down quarterback. Well, one really interesting stat that I found out was that over the past 10 years You know, this is an all-decade team. So you've got to talk about the past 10 years Drew Brees averaged 7.8 yards per pass attempt. Aaron Rodgers averaged 7.7 yards per pass attempt So Drew Brees actually averages more yards per pass attempt than Aaron Rodgers. So anyone who says Aaron Rodgers can throw a deep while Drew Brees can't, I don't want that argument.
2: Yeah, and I just looked up some stats. Aaron Rodgers' highest completion percentage in this decade is 68.3. In eight of Drew Brees' past 10 seasons, he has surpassed that mark in completion percentage. So, I mean, that just shows how often the Saints and Drew Brees are robbed and how much the NFL truly dislikes the new Orleans saints. And it's just blasphemy. It's it's just awful.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So now I think we are going to end this podcast. Um, can I add something? Yeah, for sure. Go, go ahead.
2: Did y'all see where Dana White and the UFC are arranging a private Island to host fights?
0: Oh, yeah, that's another thing to talk about. Um, So I guess these sports leagues, I think even the MLB is considering um, Adding, considering a plan to start the season again in, in Phoenix with quarantine and obvious all these restrictions. What do you guys think about the possibility of these sports leagues starting their um, seasons in such fashion?
3: I don't know how prudent it is, but I'm also incredibly bored, so I'll take it. Um... The idea of a private UFC island where people go just to beat the crap out of each other, um, I love that. I love that that mental image. Um, I, I'm envisioning it right now, and I think that's what we need as a country to get together, uh, as, as, as a global community, really, just to come together, watch grown men beat the ever-loving crap out of each other. Uh, I think it would get a lot of pent-up aggression out that quarantine is, has not provided any release for.
1: Honestly, I don't know how I feel about Dana White getting a private island. Um, I just still think that the world as a whole, and especially in the United States, people still aren't taking social distancing seriously enough. People aren't taking quarantine seriously enough. Um, And I don't know what type of image um, it it shows when Dana White uh, decides to have his own little fighting competition. where while you know a pandemic is still going on throughout the whole world um but i'm still a fan of like you know because sports brings people together like jacob said um and we know nba is trying to do a horse tournament they did a uh, nba 2k tournament so these things people do get excited for i just don't know um if it's a smart move I mean,
3: I could see something like this because there's more entertaining and more current programming on television, actually incentivizing people to stay home. Um, I I don't know exactly what the execution would look like, so I couldn't say for sure, but especially as people are dying of boredom right now, it certainly wouldn't hurt to have something a bit more current, um, especially if it can be executed in a safe manner, of course, for all of the UFC staffers uh, and people involved.
2: Yeah, I definitely appreciate the effort by commissioners all around the sports world just trying to not like trying to make sports happen still but from the health point of view i don't see it being effective i don't see it being the smartest decision like kevin said but i do appreciate the effort because i really do miss sports
0: yeah, and we don't even know whether the players would agree to this. I mean, LeBron definitely is not in favor of playing without fans. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to be regulated and um, restricted for these things, for these sports to go on. I mean, I know South Korea started some sports again, but they their pace, their curve is way ahead of ours. So I guess... It's, it's going to be a struggle for us sports fans for the next however many months.
3: Reunion will feel good, though, so we have that to look forward to.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that is going to be the end. I mean, I don't know if anyone else has anything else they want to add, but for all you listeners out there, please stay safe. Please take the necessary precautions. Um, Yeah, we're just trying to entertain you guys with our NFL analysis, our sports analysis, and we hope you enjoyed this second installment. This is the second installment of the Man to Man Coverage Sports Podcast. Signing off.